Hello and welcome back to Building Wealth on the Go, a podcast by KLT Wealth Management. Today is April 22nd, 2021, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 13 of the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Wilson, and today I'm joined by my colleagues, Courtney Beach and Joe Filiomeni. In today's episode, we are going to be straying away from the uh, crypto world for a little bit, uh, at least, and uh, getting back into doing a bit of a market summary, seeing where the markets have been this year. We're now into uh, Q2 of 2021. And uh, we're also going to touch a little bit more in detail on the uh, indexes, the market indexes, and explain a little bit more of uh, what exactly each of them are uh, and a bit of their, uh, their d- details surrounding them. So uh, before we get into that, let's, uh, if you haven't yet already, uh, last three episodes, we dived into the world of cryptocurrency, um, understanding what blockchain is, uh, how Bitcoin got started, and what exactly altcoins are. So lots of great podcasts out there if you're looking and interested in the world of cryptocurrency. Uh, so make sure to check out our previous three episodes. So before we get uh, into indexes today, let's uh, discuss a little bit about what's going on lately in the markets. So Courtney, do you want to kind of just sum up a bit of um, what the markets have done year to date, where, where are we at, and uh, what does it look like right now uh, currently in the markets? Yeah, so currently this year, markets are generally up um, from from last year. Um but we are looking towards some turbulence coming our way, just as different countries open at different rates. And uh, yeah, so that's the basic gist of the markets. And it almost seems like contradictory. Again, we talked about this a number of times in terms of what's actually happening in our general economy when we're currently in a shutdown and mm-hmm. yet the markets continue to, to stride up. And, uh, and I think that that's like uh, a great sort of starting place for our conversation today is to kind of that disconnect between mm-hmm. the markets and, and the actual economy and your particular portfolio. Because probably a week doesn't go by that a client questions their, their performance of their portfolio, and they're always using a particular index as, as a measuring stick. Mm-hmm. So like, like if we can dive a little deeper into what are these indexes and, and what uh, what's in them and why are we, you know, so infatuated by uh, tracking them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that, that's an important part for a lot of our listeners. Yeah. Before we get to that, we should really look at like indexes always look so many months out. They're not looking at today. So a lot of clients get confused about that. They're thinking, okay, we're clo- our stores are closed. I'm hearing this bad news from this company and this bad news about that company, but the markets are up and they don't understand why it's up, but they're looking months in the future. They're not looking at today at all. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, you got to be a forward thinker, I think, and as an investor, right? It's not about today. It's about tomorrow and looking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to uh, taking a, a, um, uh, a page out of Wayne Gretzky's uh, playbook, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going where the puck's going to go, not where it's been. Mm-hmm. And I think as an investor, I think that's very, very important is, is to look so where the market is heading and, and where the general economy is heading. And that's what we've always said is the, the market is at least six to eight months looking out. Yeah. 
The other thing to consider when it comes to indexes and markets is when something new happens, the market tends to react violently. Like when we first had the coronavirus, we had that huge dip this time last year of what, 30% was it? And now we every time the economy closes, some people still expect the markets to drop significantly and they're not. And it's because the market has gotten used to these starts and stops with different companies and they're not reacting as harshly as they were before and we've seen this with other things as well so so it's nothing new Mm -hmm. yeah and and that's so true and and a year a year ago we didn't know what we know today about the virus and we didn't have uh, you know, uh, things in place. And of course, the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're absolutely right. The market sometimes becomes uh, a bit, uh, to use a, a poor word, immune mm-hmm. to the situation, <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and so just kind of takes things in stride. Mm-hmm. Um, if you recall, in February, we were very, very concerned about sort of interest rates going up. Mm-hmm. at that point yeah. in time and um, a lot of the um, central banks had to stand up and 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 vocally say you know we're not going to increase interest rates anytime soon to kind of calm the markets because remember the markets are emotion it's all of us very emotional and we all get emotional mm-hmm. uh you know at times so i think that that's important to sort of note Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your, to your point, Joe, it's almost like uh, the markets have already received their vaccine. Right. And uh, you know, and mm-hmm. they're, they're immune to all of these, the news surrounding. And, and I think part of it too, is we've just gone through our first earning season uh, through Q1 and a lot of companies reported pretty strong earnings. And whether that was the fact that they projected out um, that, you know what, we got to factor in some of these external factors, maybe we'll show some growth, but you know, leave room to, to beat expectations, right? The whole setting the bar lower than, than anticipated so that you, it's easier to jump over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and we've seen that. And I think the markets have reflected that, okay, companies are still going strong. And, you know, we look at it through the lens of, of living in Canada. And I think there's a lot of other countries out there that are, that are running close to, to back to normal. You know, you look at the United States and so many companies, so many people are, are back to work. So many people are at least have had their first shot down there. They've administered what almost 200 million vaccines down there. And, uh, and they're, you know, we're surpassing them here, especially in Ontario in terms of the percentage of cases. So you think of, you know, maybe we're lagging a bit, but, ultimately our economy as a Canadian economy was lagging last year. And so I think from the standpoint, maybe Canadian companies struggled, maybe with the companies in the Canadian index struggled to adapt like some of the tech heavy American companies or, or other multinational companies uh, worldwide last year in adapting uh, different industries, you know, started to rebound uh, through, through, so in Canada. So despite the, the, um, the rise in vaccine, the rise in cases, sorry, um, you're seeing the Canadian industries bounce back, but there's still no real reopening of the economies as we are seeing uh, around the world in some other countries. Yeah, well, let's let's dive into the Canadian economy and and really the the index that reflects the Canadian economy primarily is the TSX. Mm-hmm. So the TSX uh, encompasses basically or tracks 229 companies. Now, obviously, uh, there is criteria for each of these indexes for companies to be part of the index, and so it's a, it's 
it's what we call maybe like a sample. We can call it a sample of the economy yeah. uh, to be reflective of the economy. So the TSX year to date is up 9.63%. So an amazing sort of, you know, uh, recovery in 2021. And yet, look at us, we are in currently in Ontario in a, in a shutdown and a stay at home order. Uh, most of Canada is, is in a, a similar situation, but yet the actual index is, is up. So if you held sort of companies uh, that are that fall within the index that are driving that index up in your own portfolio, you should see your portfolio up actually mm -hmm. year to date. Mm -hmm. So then if I can jump to the next ones and, and then we can kind of have some conversation. We of course then move to the U S and the U S really has two or three sort of indexes uh, being so large and whatnot. Uh, and there's some overlap in the companies. So we, we look at the largest one, which, which is the NASDAQ, which is really the tech sector. And it's a thousand companies in there. Now, last year, we saw the NASDAQ go parabolic. Like that's where the growth was. And we're, we still continue to see some growth, but a, le a little less, uh, more moderate, I think. It's up 8.5% year-to-date on the NASDAQ. And then we move to the next size, which is the S&P 500. And of course, there's 500 large companies, US-based there. So your larger companies are there, the a bit more broader base, uh, more companies that are not just growth-orientated. And I think we've had this conversation before, the difference between a growth-orientated company and like a more value-type company. So you'll have a combination of that. And year-to-date, uh, the S&P is up 10.79 as of yesterday. And then we look at the Dow and the Dow Jones Index, which is 30 large companies. And uh, sort of closely relates to the S&P, although more defined in terms of the companies itself. And it's up 11.23%. So look at the double digits that are hitting here. Uh, in in the returns that we're seeing, <clears throat> the next question is, what does your portfolio look like? Mm -hmm. I think one thing to note is like what companies are in these index. Like, we're talking about you know these indexes. So I think it's good to kind of note like what are some of the top holdings in each of the indexes, right? And uh, we talked about how Canada struggled in in twenty. Uh, in 2020. And, and what's the reason? Well, you look at the Canadian index and a lot of it is financials and industrials, right? You look at RBC, the Royal Bank of Canada, TD Bank, Enbridge, some utilities, Canadian National Railway, Shopify. Shopify had a great year and it kind of helped to propel um, uh, the, the TSX, but, uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, Brookfield, uh, TC Energy. So a lot of these companies in there are, are in specific sectors that Canada has historically been very strong in, but those sectors were, were slow to recover last year. And that's where you're seeing, um, that lag last year. So if you held the TSX last year, you were not very happy with your performance relative to often the rest of the, the indexes or, or many other portfolios. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Brad, because I think a lot of people forget how narrow the focus is in the Canadian economy. We only really have two industries that are have any robust 
uniqueness to them. And so, you know, if you want to have more diversity as far as industries, you have to go outside of Canada. Yeah, so let's break this down even further. Let's look at your portfolio. So as Brad says, if you do have just, you know, more Canadian based uh, mutual funds or even stocks, depending upon how you're you're actually trading or investing, then you you typically would be following the TSX mm -hmm. as as your general index. Now, um, if you're more global, then you're more tapping into the S&P and the Dow. If you're real growth orientated, uh, more about innovation and technology, obviously the NASDAQ is, is yours. If you have a combination, and that's where, that's where the confusion starts, is that mm -hmm. people's portfolio don't often have one particular category. Mm -hmm. They have a diversification. And that's the way to have your portfolios to be Absolutely. diversified. So your particular benchmark would be made up of parts of the indexes. Mm -hmm. So you can't sort of pin to say on one particular index, the Dow is up 11 and a quarter and I'm only up 5%. Well, you got to look at, well, why? What, what is in your portfolio and does it represent the Dow? And so the other aspect, which a lot of people forget, is there are fees in investments that we purchase, and the index doesn't show any fees. Yeah, the they're not paying the taxes. Exactly. Management or, fees. <laughs> so there is that discrepancy as well as trying to match your particular benchmark. Now, something to kind of watch for is often with mutual funds, they will have stated benchmarks. And that's a good starting place in order to compare your portfolio to a stated benchmark and to see how that performance uh, of your portfolio does against its benchmark. And what you're looking for, obviously, is for it to beat the benchmark. One of the things to note as well is, is we've really only covered North American indexes. You're, you may hold uh, companies internationally that don't fall within these indexes that we're talking about. They fall in the, the indexes in China or the indexes in Europe. And so when you, you're just to your point, Joe, that's completely accurate is even if you do a blend of Canadian and, and American indexes, you're not even getting a grasp of your full portfolio because you might hold companies in South America, in China, in Europe, and, and we are in completely different states of, of, of economic status when it comes to the US versus Italy versus Germany versus the UK versus China versus Canada. All these different countries are in different stages right now, especially in the midst of recovering from a pandemic uh, and some of us still in the all-time highs, right? Like if, if you own companies out of India, for example, India is seeing insane spikes in the coronavirus cases right now. Apparently it's like one in three people have coronavirus over there are testing positive. Mm -hmm. So we're all in completely different stages. And if you're looking, you know, strictly at say, you know, the Dow Jones or, or the NASDAQ, a lot of these companies are, are able to run at capacity. Sure, they might work globally, but they're based out of the, the United States, most of them. And, and, they're, and they're back to almost back to normal, right? Yeah. So understanding the, the environment that we're living in now and where your portfolio is positioned. Yeah. And to add an even more, another deeper level of complexity is you might have bonds in your portfolio as well. And they're not reflected on any of the indexes we've talked about so far. So Absolutely. a lot of the times we get clients asking that question and bonds are supposed to act uh, posing to any stocks. Uh, so 
you know, when stocks are going up, bonds typically aren't doing as well and vice versa. So people will come in and ask us, well, why doesn't my portfolio reflect? And a lot of times they don't realize they're holding bonds or they forget that they're holding bonds, which you can't compare to any of these indices. Yeah, and on the foreign indexes that Brad brought up, let, let's introduce the, the two indexes there, the MSCI, EAFE, so it's uh, Europe, Asia, Asia, I should say, for, in the Far East, and then MSCI Emerging Index. So again, two indexes that are, you know, completely, uh, you know, um, different than your Dow and the S&P and the TSX. And they even have indexes for bonds, to your point, Corn. Courtney, mm -hmm. um, the bond index. Uh, so again, it's if it's in your portfolio, you need to have uh, a better idea as to what your particular benchmark is as your portfolio has been set up and use that as your benchmark to, to measure performance. And sometimes it's a percentage, like a certain percentage to bond index and a certain percentage to this other index to kind of get a true comparison to what you got, or at least close as you can get. Yeah, that's oh. where you get into these blended indexes, right? Mm -hmm, Where yeah. you get a little piece of everything. And and to your point, Joe, we talk about performance today. I, just looking right now at the S&P 500 bond index, it's down 3% year to date. Right. So if you've got a combination, you see of, of, you know, whether it's 50% equities, 50% bonds, well, you're going to be looking at a portfolio that's up like 4% year to date. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if you're, if you're balancing this out, so it's important to know where your portfolio is positioned. And to that point, these indexes that are running hot right now may be running to their peaks and there may be other areas that have a lot more opportunity. So do you want to be in the one that's running hot right now, or do you want to be in the one that will run hot or could run hot in the, in the future? So that's mm -hmm. one thing to consider when you're looking at your positioning as well. So the, really the, the million dollar question here that we're heading towards is, is do we just buy the index? Do we bother with mutual funds? Do we bother creating our own sort of portfolio of stocks and bonds and stuff? And do we just buy an index and, and, and such as the birth of the exchange traded funds, right? The ETFs, that was the birth of it to say, we don't need a manager to buy this and buy that and sell this and sell that. We, we just wanna buy a reflective of the index and and you can do that you can you can do that with these etfs uh lower lower fees minimal fees uh there are trading fees when you get into etfs so it, it does sort of add a, another element of cost there but um if the index is heading up you're going to write it up if the index is heading down you're going to write it down as well so it's interesting how now with the etfs we seem to get managed ETFs. Uh, it seems to be more in the picture. And uh, I don't know if you guys can answer this question for me, but I've been asking everybody, explain to me the difference between a managed ETF and a mutual fund. It's the same well, thing. 
No, the one is traded on the exchange and the others calculated at end of day. That's really the only difference. And I, I think it's a sliding scale right now. You look at it, ETF are um, mutual funds historically at higher fees. And over the years, the fees on mutual funds are going down, 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 even they're still actively managed, but they realize that there's that, there's that need to cut fees and lower fees for investors. And ETFs started with really low fees and they were all passive. And they said, well, you know what? We need active ETFs. And what happens is the fees go up, up, up. And we're almost at a point where they're meeting, right? The, the, the fees for, for ETFs and the fees for an actively, actively managed ETF and actively managed mutual, mutual fund are almost the exact same. So yeah. to the whole point of fees, if you're looking for active management, you're paying the same no matter where you're going. Yeah. And just mm -hmm. to clarify for anybody listening, a passive in, uh, ETF would be those index ETFs that you're talking about. And then the active ones would be the more managed ETFs. Yeah. So like, it, so I guess when you're, when you're looking at your portfolio, get a sense as to what benchmark that you actually have in, in, in order to do a, a, a complete apples to apples comparison as to the performance of your fund against that benchmark. And one of the last sort of indexes, I think, that I like to track and have been tracking for a while is the VIC. VIX, mm -hmm. and uh, it sort of measures the volatility or the emotion, I like to call it the emotion in the market, you know, whether it's high emotions and you start seeing lots of trading and whatnot. This year, I've measured it as high as 28.30, and currently, as of yesterday, it was 18.8. So it's much more calmer market than it was maybe a month ago which is might be more reflective in terms of seeing the ups and the downs here of the general indexes. So I kind of like to kind of uh, measure that and, and keep track of that because again, it really is emotions that are moving the markets. That's a really good point, Joe. And I think just to give some context leading up to the crash back in uh, March of last year, the, the VIX was around uh, 12 to 15. Uh, and then uh, it spiked to uh, up over 65 um, when the markets crashed. And then again, it peaked uh, up around uh, 40 almost back in October when we saw a bit of a decline in the markets back in October leading up to the US election. And then, as you said, year to date, the highest peak was back kind of January, February. Uh, and then now we're, it's, it's trending downwards. And so is that a signifying that we're stabilizing here in the markets and that the emotional factors are coming back down as people are, are looking towards getting vaccines in their arms, getting back to work, getting back to normalcy. I know especially lots of U.S. companies welcoming people back to the, the workplace sooner than later. Yeah, and, and, I think, and I think we are heading in that direction, but the markets, there's always something happening in the markets. And that's the important thing that I have to, I have to remind clients that if it's not currently what we're dealing with, with the COVID-19, it's, you know, it's, it was the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, back in, in, I think it was in the 80s, we had the Asian flu, they called it. Uh, and there was issues with Asian companies. Um, there's, there's wars, there's, uh, you know, um, arguments, there's a change in political parties, there's always something happening. It's never smooth. And quite honestly, that's the opportunity. That's the opportunity, you know, to be invested. And because those are the times when 
people are selling, you're buying, and that's the way you do make money um, in the long term. And it doesn't matter what age you are, because I have this question often, you know, obviously, the younger that you are, the more time you have in the market, that's always great. But even the older clients that I've got, you know, most of them still want to have like a decent rate of return, and not have as much uh, risk, but still some decent rate of return. Because if you don't want a decent rate of return, just pull your money out, put it in the savings account, get paid absolutely nothing from the bank, <laughs> and and your and the bank won't even send you a Christmas card at the mm-hmm. end of the year. So like at the end of the day, like you decide what you want to do. But you know, I've had I have clients that are you know 80s. 85 and they still would like to see you know a four three four five percent rate of return on their money uh because it makes sense because you need your money to continue growing because let's let's face it the cost of living continues to go up yeah 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 it's uh it's definitely it's definitely fascinating and uh I'm glad we got the chance to kind of dive into these indexes today because I think it is really important. It's the it's the headline when you log into any website, whether it's Yahoo Finance, the Globe and Mail, BNN, the indexes are always running right across the top. It's the first thing you see in the newspaper. It's the first thing you see wherever you go. So now there's a bit of more understanding into them uh, and uh, how you can compare it to your portfolio and you know making sure that you do check the underlying aspects of your portfolio to find out what best comparable you have. Uh, so that is it for today's podcast and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new topic. We'll leave a little bit of a cliffhanger today. We won't dive into exactly what we'll talk about, but stay tuned for another great episode. And as I mentioned before, if you are interested in the world of cryptocurrency, we've got three episodes ready for you. Uh, so make sure to go check those out and we will see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Please note that the opinions and ideas shared are from the viewpoint of KLT Wealth Management. They do not reflect the opinion or viewpoints of Investia Financial Services, Inc. or any other partners. The commentary provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You should not act upon the content or information discussed here without first seeking the appropriate personalized advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We try to provide content that is true and accurate as of the date of recording. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy timeliness or applicability of any of the contents we assume no responsibility for information consumed through this podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information including but not limited to any liability for errors inaccuracies omissions or misleading or defamatory statements mutual funds and or approved exempt market products are offered through investia financial services inc insurance products are provided through multiple insurance carriers and or approved exempt market products are offered through investia financial services inc